you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Last week in the morning service, we we dealt with helping the hurting. And there were many, many in that service that were touched of the Lord. And <clears throat> early in the week I felt prompted as I was seeking the Lord for today's service to, to continue helping the hurting by talking a little bit about loneliness. I'm not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, I'm not a family counselor, I'm a pastor. But you would be amazed at how many people battle with loneliness and try to live in victory. So that's where we're going today. I hope that you're praying for your shepherd as we share the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 9. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, who's pastoring in Ephesus. He said, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, as departed and is departed unto Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus has gone to Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. He is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus. When thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou where also? for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer or defense, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles that you and I might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come before you today thanking you for your sweet, sweet spirit once again. Lord, as we come to this time of the breaking of the bread of life, We pray, Lord, that you would open up our hearts to receive. Lord, minister to the ones that you pointedly have divinely destined to hear, receive this word, that it will encourage them and strengthen them, and they will become overcomers. We thank you, we praise you, we bless you for these things. In Jesus' precious and holy name. And the church said, Amen. 
Leave your Bibles open if you would or your electronic devices open to that passage of Scripture. It has been said that the biggest disease today is not cancer. The biggest disease of our day is being uncared for, unwanted, the feeling of being deserted and alone. It's a common occurrence, loneliness is. According to a national survey, 25% of all adults experience some form of painful loneliness every few weeks. If, in fact, that's the case, there's a good chance that 20 to 25% of the people in this room are dealing with some sense of loneliness. Charles Colton said, To dare to live alone is the rarest courage, since there are many who would rather meet their most bitter enemy in the field than their own hearts in their own closet. Some of the times when you may feel lonely are as follows. You're alone and you don't feel you have a choice not to be alone. In other words, there doesn't seem to be anything that you can do to to find, to get away from that sense of isolation that you're in. Maybe you're battling loneliness because you're in the midst of a change in your life, uh, a new school for a young person, a new town that you've moved into. A new job where everybody is kind of raising their eyebrows because you're the new guy or the new gal in the company. And so that brings with it a sense of loneliness. Maybe you feel that there's no one in your life with whom you can share your feelings or your experiences with. And that certainly can lead to a sense of, of loneliness and despair. Maybe you're here today and you have loneliness because of these, these, these self-impressions that you've gotten, these self-perceptions that you're unlovable or unacceptable. Uh, you're not worth anyone's time. That, that, that is, uh, the enemy has, has, has kind of worked in your mind and your own thoughts. After all, the, the mind is the devil's playground if we're not careful. And he loves to wreak havoc on our own perceptions. You see, loneliness is not necessarily being alone. We can be alone for long periods of time without feeling lonely. In fact, I think it's healthy uh, for, for people to sometimes have time with just you and God. Just to gather your thoughts and, and come aside for a little bit. Jesus would do that himself. He would come aside with just, just him and, and the Heavenly Father. And so you can, you can be uh, by yourself for a long period of time without feeling lonely. And on the other hand, you can be in a crowded room and still feel lonely. If you're not careful, loneliness will become more intense because of, of the things that you tell yourself. Your perceptions turn into conversations with yourself. And you begin to say, the reason that I am lonely today is because I'm weak or I'm immature. 
tour. Or maybe you tell yourself there's something wrong with me. I'm fundamentally flawed. And maybe you, you begin to tell yourself I'm lonely and I'm the only one who feels this way. I'm by myself and no one else can appreciate what I am going through. There are certainly some examples of loneliness. I touched on a little bit of it last week, but I want to drill down on it a little more forcefully today. Maybe you're here and an example, you're an example of loneliness because you're a widow or a widower who, is, who has lost a companion to tragic death and you feel looked over. You feel unimportant because you lack the family unit. Special occasions roll around in organisms like the church and you feel feel isolated because you lack the common bond that others have when it comes to the family unit. Maybe you're here today and you're the one that is divorced or separated um, with or without children who feels like there is no one out there to care for you again like you had in times past. Maybe because of the, the, the divorce that you went through, the kids and the grandkids don't seem to have the time for you that they used to have, even it seems like they have forgotten all that you did for them when you were in the family unit, or they have decided to draw lines in the sand, and the lines didn't fall to your side, and you find that you're penalized from your own children because they really don't have the grasp of the depth of what you went through when you were married to their other parents. I'm, I'm talking good here. I'm talking truth here. Maybe you're the teenage girl that is that is in the room. You went the extra mile of compromise only to find yourself to be rejected. Or you're the college student that buries him or herself in his or her studies so that they can be distracted from the need for companionship. Or you're that single adult that I talked about last week that looks around and and sees everyone else seems to have an, a, a significant other or, or they're married. Why am I by myself? There was, a, there was something that happened back in when I pastored in Front Royal many years ago. And I, I ran into a person there that was part of our congregation. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about what your Christmas plans are. And I'll never forget this. They said to me, I am working on Christmas. Christmas means nothing to me. It means absolutely nothing to me, so I signed up to work. And what was what was terrible about it was because I could sense so strongly the, the sense of isolation, and they were hiding behind that mask of isolation and loneliness. What about the spouse who has a spouse or a companion that is unsaved? There is a sense of loneliness there as well. You see, you can go through the normal pattern of life with your companion. You can have communication and recreation and you can have intimacy and sharing but because there is no common unity in Christ your central goals are different leaving you and your spouse in two different worlds even though you're living in the same house. Let me just stop here and say to those of us that are blessed to have Christian spouses today you ought to thank God every day of your life that you have someone that you can take hold of their hand and call on God, that you have someone that you can talk Bible with, that you have someone that you can read the scripture with because
because those, even those among us in this room today that are trying and fighting to live for Christ, they love this atmosphere. It's such a, a feeding for them, but then they go back to a home where a companion doesn't share the same central goal. They need extra grace and extra strength and an extra touch of the Holy Spirit just to make it day to day because they battle with a sense of isolation and loneliness. Is anyone in the house today? Loneliness. When you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, you find that he had some loneliness in his life. I know that's hard to believe because we know that he wrote a majority of the New Testament. He wrote many, many of the great epistles that we enjoy today. But there were times in his life that he experienced intense isolation. There was times, in fact, when he was first called to the ministry. The Bible says, tells us that he did not confer with flesh and blood when he had that experience on the Damascus Road. Immediately after his calling and after God opened his blinded eyes and, and, and after he, he went through the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, he went into the Arabian desert for over three years. For the scripture says he did not confer with flesh and blood. He had an encounter with God. He spent three years alone in the desert with the Lord. It was a time of isolation. Uh, for the Apostle Paul. There would be other times in his life and in his ministry where the Lord would kind of take Paul and put him on the shelf, would take him out of the limelight. I did a study several, a few years ago here, as a matter of fact, and we looked extensively at the life of the Apostle Paul, and, and one of the things that was staggering to me was the amount of time that he was not in the limelight, the amount of time that he was not preaching to the masses and to the crowds, the amount of time that he was not uh, bringing about miracles that God just took him and gently put him to the side while the ministry of the church continued. But none of this is more, uh, more great or impacting than when you get to the end of his life. Because when you get to the end of his life, this man that has stood before emperors and, and before leaders, before religious leaders and civil leaders, he's commanded the audience of, of several influential people. He's been in arenas and Colosseums where thousands of people would listen to him as he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet when he come to the end of his days with a guillotine hanging outside of his jail cell that would eventually lop his head from his shoulders, knowing that his time was short, he dealt with an extreme amount of isolation and loneliness. As I was looking through this, there were some things that really jumped off the pages at me when I was looking at these verses of Scripture. And, and I, I realize some of the reasons why he had such a sense of loneliness and isolation. First of all, he experienced the church letting him down. And let me just stop here and tell you, sometimes the church will let you down. When I looked at this, I began to ask the question, he's in Rome, he's about to lose his life in Rome, and I asked myself, where are the believers in Rome? Where are they while Paul is in this Roman prison cell? If you go back to Romans chapter 1 and verse 8, you'll read these words. He said, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all.
involved, that your faith is spoken of throughout the known world. My goodness, there were believers that were on fire. Maybe some of them come off the day of Pentecost experience. Maybe they had been filled with the Holy Spirit and they were part of this nucleus of a church in Rome where the Roman oppression was. There was a church that was thriving, but just a few years go by and Paul is in a Roman prison cell and I begin to ask myself, where are all the believers that he bragged about in Romans uh, chapter 8? Does that sound like a congregation that would have abandoned their pastor at his greatest time of need? Because now in verse 16, he says these words at my first answer, no man stood with me. And then I thought, you know what? The truth of the matter is the church is made up of imperfect people. We just don't have it together. And sometimes we can be dumb as a box of rocks. Sometimes we can be insensitive to the needs of those around us. This is true. Try as we might, there are occasions that your pastor drops the ball. Just this week, I called one of my dear brothers, and this is the way I started the conversation. I left out a prayer Tuesday night, convicted of the Holy Spirit, called my friend on the phone and said, first and foremost, before I say anything else, you need to forgive me because your pastor has neglected you in your time of need. I had to apologize right off the bat. The truth of the matter is we are not sensitive enough to each other's needs. We're not sensitive enough to each other's hurts. <laughs> this happens so often. German philosopher, and this is, boy, this is a sobering picture if you can get this in your mind. The German philosopher Schopenhauer wrote these words. He said, we are compared to a bunch of porcupines that huddle together on a cold winter's night. The colder it gets, the more we huddle. But the closer we get, the more we hurt one another with our sharp quills. And so what happens is in the lonely night, one will drift off from the pack because they're tired of the hurt. They would just as soon try to make it on their own, but they don't realize that they will freeze to death when they leave the my God help me this morning. They don't realize that they will freeze to death when they leave the pack that is so tight together to bring warmth. Uh, let me just stop here and say this may very well be describing someone that's listening to this preacher online or in service. You've put up a guard to your church family to protect yourself from hurts and disappointments. But what I've come by to tell you is that what you think is for your protection from rejection is actually working against you because in your pride, if you're allowing no one to get close to you, then what what will happen is you will end up pulling away from the body. And if you pull away from the body, you are also pulling away from the Lord. And like a slow leak, you miss a bit more and more. It seems to be a recurring theme that I've said more than one time. But I will say it again today. The more you miss church, the less you'll miss church. What do you say? Oh, Lord, help me here. 
What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying get back in church. The porcupines ain't perfect. The porcupines have their flaws. And sometimes in our neglect we hurt. And sometimes we, even with intentionality we hurt. You say, well, I, you know, if we're a believer, we ought not be hurting one another. I, I tell you what, it, uh, you could be as close to Christ as you want. You can be used of the Lord in one moment, used by the Holy Spirit, and then turn around and used by the devil the next moment. You don't believe me? You be- look at the Apostle Peter. In one breath, he's saying, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And within a few moments, he's trying to get in the way of the Lord going to the cross to purchase your salvation and mine. And what did the Lord say to him? Get thee behind me, Satan. Don't tell me that we can't be used by the enemy in a moment. We are imperfect creatures. But as I've said many times, I'll say it again today because it bears repeating. Noah's ark had a whole lot of stink and a whole lot of animals on it, but it was better than the alternative. We're not perfect here today. We have our mistakes. We make our errors. I'm telling you, we hurt one another, but it's the alternative. It's to be outside of the church, outside of the ark in a world that is going down fast. God help us. To stay connected one to another and not to hurt one another. But not only did his congregation fail him, but his close friend let him down. His close friend. His name was Demas. You look in the book of Colossians chapter 4, 14, and Demas is named. By Paul. You look in the book of Philemon, you see Demas is called a fellow laborer by the Apostle Paul. But now, in verse 10 of our text, Demas has forsaken Paul, loving this present world. Not only will the church fail you, but close friends will let you down. Now, I looked at that, and I said, well, what was Demas' love of the present world? Was it really love for the world's pleasures? Maybe. It's a good possibility that Demas got turned aside of his own lust and forsook Paul and forsook the gospel. But then a second thought came to me. Maybe Demas forsook Paul because he just wanted to stay alive in the world and not die for the gospel. I mean, I could, I could just hear Demas saying to Paul, Look, buddy, I'm with you while the ship is tossed. And I'll help you mend your wounds after you've been stoned. I'll get you some medicine for the stripes that are on your back. But don't ask me to go to the dungeon. Don't ask me to put my life on the line for the gospel. I'm not quite ready for that. What kind of friend was Demas? Demas had forsaken Paul. Superficial friend. Skin deep. Jelly for a backbone, the kind that breaks you in two because you had confidence in them. You had more confidence in them than to expect that to come. And boy, isn't that the truth? When was the last time that you lost sleep? What was the reason? Oh, yeah, sometimes it's about finances and sometimes it's about a situation, but a lot of times it's about a relationship, a fragmented relationship that has left you feeling isolated. And alone. Let me give you some insights on relationships. You will have people that disappoint you, and and quite often 
the ones who disappoint you the most are A, those who have been with us a long time. B, those who are closest to our hearts. Not everybody's going to make the journey with you. And this is probably the most painful, is those that you have poured your life into. You've discipled them. You've helped them to grow in their faith. You gave and gave and gave and gave. And then when push come to shove, they disappeared on you. No matter how broken, I'm so glad we serve a God that can restore. He can restore. You know, he wrote in that same letter where he wrote that Demas had forsaken him. He wrote, he said, bring Mark with you, Timothy, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now, that's significant because you need to understand way back in the book of Acts, John Mark traveled with Paul and traveled with Barnabas until he forsook him and went back home. Well, a little while later, they were going on another journey, and Barnabas said, let's take Mark with us. And Paul said, absolutely not. Burn me once, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not taking that guy with us again. He already abandoned us one time. And the contention, the Scripture said, became so sharp that Barnabas and Mark went one way, and Paul and Silas went the other way to double the outreach and the effectiveness of the gospel. But now years have gone by. Now the Apostle Paul is in a prison cell. And somehow, some way, that that maybe he had held against Mark for a period of time has now been covered by the blood. It's been put under the blood. He's been, it's been reconciled in his heart. And he says to Timothy, hey, bring Mark with you. Bring him to see me. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. Paul's congregation has failed him. Paul's close friends, close friend has forsaken him. And then thirdly, you need to understand evil people will target you. Evil people targeted Paul. And no doubt that brought a sense of loneliness and isolation. He said, don't forget Alexander the coppersmith who did me much evil. His allies have failed him and his enemies are hounding him. Now, can I just be a little transparent here with you? I, this is not paranoia. I believe I know this to be in the spirit realm. And I believe if I polled out former pastors in this ministry, they'd tell you the same thing. I am convinced after 27 years of pastoring that the devil always has someone in the body working against you as a pastor. Mm. The enemy always has a plant. If he doesn't have someone to rise up from within, he'll send someone from without. <laughs> had a conversation with a pastor one time. He had been at his church for 20 years and had an opportunity to go to a, a larger opportunity of ministry, a more lucrative opportunity for ministry. And I asked him myself, I said, why in the world would you pass this up? He, he had declined. I said, I don't understand. Why would you pass this up? This seems like a way to advance in the ministry. And he looked at me, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, after 20 years, here I know where the devils are. 
If I go somewhere else, I'm going to have to start all over again. (laughs) Not everyone is going to speak good of you. In fact, Jesus said, beware when all men speak good of you. There's always going to be someone that's going to try to oppose you. And what happens is that person begins to loom larger in in life than your perspective. Oh, but just be reminded. That person may be a plant of the devil, but greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. And you can overcome anything and anyone when you are in Christ. Hallelujah. So church family will fail you and close friends will fail you and people will do you evil. And and sometimes the reality is if none of those things apply, the truth is sometimes God calls you to just stand alone. Paul said at my hearing, no man stood with me. Now, I know this message isn't for everyone. I know that because there's many in this room that are not dealing with any loneliness at all. Everything's good with the marriage. The kids like you. You like the kids. Everything seems to be good there. Maybe I did just eliminate a few more. (laughs) Dear Lord, I thought it was a picnic when they were in elementary and junior and high school and middle school. They become young adults. I don't know what happens to him. He's not here and he probably won't listen, so it don't matter. You can tell him I said it. But this may not apply to you. When I come to this pulpit today, I knew that God sent me to talk to a select group of people. Friends have failed you. Maybe the church has let you down. Maybe someone has done you evil. Maybe, just maybe, God has just called you for this season of your life to just stand alone. But Paul knows this. He knows without a shadow of a doubt, we've said it so much that it becomes cliche, but he knows as you need to be reminded, Jesus will stand with you when everyone else forsakes you. He said in verse 17, notwithstanding, no matter what others have done in forsaken me with their priorities or those who have defamed me or those who have, because of circumstances beyond their control, they they have left me. He said, the Lord stood with me. Here's truth to the lonely one this morning. Here's truth to the one that's feeling isolated this morning. He was born in an isolated stable. He was raised in a secluded carpenter's house. He's the one that said the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not anywhere to lay his head. He was the one that was left to himself in the Garden of Gethsemane until his sweat became as great drops of blood. He was left to himself when his disciples fled at the arrival of the soldiers to arrest him. Peter denied him three times. He faced Pilate with no defense and on the cross he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But I've come by to lift the clarion call to the one that is feeling the most lonely today. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother and his name is Jesus Christ and he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will go with you always, even to the end of the world. 
Hallelujah. I wish somebody would give the Lord praise. When church people are missing and friends have abandoned you, my God, I hope somebody gets this. But since I've been in Pulaski, and even more recently, there's some that have come to my spirit, and I'm, I'm grieved, concerned, burdened, that because of loneliness, they're going to jump out of the frying pan into the fire, or because of loneliness, they're going to settle instead of what God wants for them. Friend, hold on to the hand of Jesus. He has abundant life for you, and he will get you to that abundant life. Don't allow loneliness to dictate your decisions. God, I feel the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some biblical solutions for combating loneliness. Number one, utilize your time. Paul utilized his time. He said, bring me my coat, the books, and the parchments. This is important. Man, don't miss this. I'm cold. I want to study. But I've got some writing to do. I don't know if you're making the connection. But he said, I've got some, some writing to do. It's at the times of isolation that you can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's no distractions. There's nothing that's vying for your time. Now, I'm sure Paul, Paul's just as human as you and I were, and I'm sure he would have much rather been preaching in a great coliseum to thousands of people like he did on Mars Hill in Athens. Family and friends cheering them on. Grandeur and spotlights, but here. But Jerry, he's not in front of a crowd anymore. He's in a jail cell. But in a jail cell, when he got the books, when he got his coat so he could just stay warm, he got his parchments, Brother Taylor. <laughs> you see why I get so excited about that last part? It's because it was from a jail cell that Romans was written and Colossians was written. And first and second Thessalonians was written. It wasn't from a cathedral. It wasn't from a large stage. It was from a jail cell by himself. From a jail cell was the plan of salvation written as led of the Holy Spirit that told you how to be saved. From a jail cell was written these words that you quote I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. From a jail cell in isolation was the words written that you and I count on day in and day out. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus from a jail cell. God used a lonely man to bring us the majority of the New Testament. Don't despise isolation. Let God mold you for his glory. 
He prepares you in private so he can promote you in public. It's the way it works. It's never changed. The second thing he did, he minimized his hurts. You could tell by the language he had a forgiving, a reconciling spirit. He said, I need John Mark. He said, Father, forgive those who have left me alone. When you're in loneliness, man, it's easy to hold on to a grudge. Amen. Maybe you're here and you need to release that unforgiveness or that poison will eat you alive. Maybe you need to seek forgiveness from someone. Maybe you need to grant forgiveness to someone whether they seek it or not. How are you minimizing your hurts when you're lonely? How are you doing it? Keep focused on your personal calling. God, I know you've called me. I know at some point you're going to open a door and I'm going to walk through it. But until then, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to continue to bear fruit. I'm going to continue to hold on to my relationship with you. And, and, and you know, another thing, and this is very practical, but you've got to find a way to relieve stress when you're lonely. Exercise. Find a hobby. Don't wait for your feelings to get going. Get going and your good feelings will catch up. How many people live according to their feelings? Twenty-six years. Twenty-five years. I know I don't look like it, but I'm a runner. <laughs> I also like to eat. It's a terrible philosophy, but I exercise to eat. And while everybody else says amen, all the medical professionals say, oh, me. But you would be amazed at how much stress your pastor releases. It's astounding to me. Now, I look like I've been run over by a Mack truck after I get done running. And I may not move quite as quickly as before I started running. But what I release emotionally and spiritually and physically, it helps me. I'm telling you right now, had I not started running 25 years ago, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be standing on this stage. I'd been gone away from here. I, did I just mention I love to eat? But don't wait on your feelings. Do something. Get going. Determine that you're not going to let this season of loneliness control your life. Thirdly, travel the high road. They've trashed you. They have defamed you. The psalmist said, I will walk in my integrity. I'm not going to defame back. I'm going to maintain my integrity. I'm not going to harbor bitterness. I'm not going to employ myself to a reputation-saving mission. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to let God defend me. God's going to take care of me, and I'm coming out of this thing. 
Paul recognized God's presence. It's one thing to state God is with you, but it's something else to know God is with you. He said, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. That's past tense. And then he said, and the Lord will deliver me. That's future tense. And finally, he poured his life into others. He poured his life into others. He said, by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. God called Paul. God ordained Paul. God has called you. God has ordained every single one of you. Don't allow loneliness to distract you from your calling. Helping the hurting. Let me tell you something as the music plays softly. If you're in sin today, there is a sense of isolation that is going to be present. You can try to satisfy with pills and with alcohol and with needles and with a relationship, with some kind of a perverted gratification. And you'll still be left feeling unfulfilled, miserable, and no sense of belonging. Many times in the Bible, Job and Psalms, you read where the writer would say, why is it that the wicked are prospering? Sometimes we look and we see they seem to have it all together and they don't have any hurts and difficulties and they seem to be prospering more than I. Don't you fall for that nonsense. They are gnawing from within because of loneliness and isolation and they're turning to every avenue they can to fill the void. And if you're here today and you're lost, if you're listening to me and you're lost, you're in loneliness You're in a sense that there is a void that is bigger than life. And it's because you need Jesus. He wants to come into your heart. Maybe you're here today and you you battle. Maybe you're a believer, but you're battling depression and loneliness and feelings of isolation. You need a touch from God today. And whether you want to admit it or not, you need the love of the saints. You need the touch of the family of God. Maybe there's someone in the house today, you say, man, this message really resonates with me, Pastor, and I. I want God to help me to reach out to the lonely. Maybe you know a neighbor, a widow, a widower, single adult. And you have compassion for them. You know a little bit about their story. And you feel like God is raising you up to to ease the loneliness in their life through the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask everyone in this room to stand to your feet.
every head bowed and every eye closed. First and foremost, we're here to bring a fulfillment to the heart and life of the one that is without Jesus. And if you're here today while no one's looking around and you say, that, Pastor, that's me, I'm away from the Lord, and you, what you have said is true, I feel, I feel so alone, and I know it's because of my life and the choices that I've made, but I feel alone today. You're, you're not a believer. You're, you're not walking with God. And you would just say, Pastor, I, I, I wish you'd pray for me. I won't call you by name. I won't come back and grab you by the hand. Uh, this is between you and God. But I, I just, just be honest with the Lord. Would you just slip your hand up, put it right back down? You just say, I'm just not right with God today. God bless that hand. And it has, it has led to a gnawing sense of loneliness because I know that I'm missing that fulfillment. This altar is open for you, friend. Now let me talk to the believers. And I hope and pray that you won't stay in denial. I hope and pray that you won't just stand back because it's a little uncomfortable to acknowledge no one really wants to just throw their hands up and say, man, I'm lonely. This is a spiritual thing today. You say, Pastor, I, you've described me this morning. Maybe you have an unsaved spouse. Maybe, maybe you're a person that's gone through the horrors of divorce or the death of a spouse, a companion. Maybe you had your heart broken by others a companion, a close friend. And you would say, honestly, I'm lonely today. See, here's the truth. We, we said it earlier, 25% of this room, I'm confident, is battling some form of loneliness. My Lord, my Lord. I'm going to take the time this morning. Please be reverent to the Holy Spirit. I said last week, you don't know what kind of despair the person next to you is in. You'd be amazed at how many people have come into this church over the last few years that have contemplated ending their life because of the despair that they find themselves in. They've sat in the service with you. They've stood next to you with your hands raised, and they were trying to just grapple through life's pressures. I can't force you. It has to be something that you yield to the Holy Spirit on. But there's lonely people in the room. I do know that. This altar's open for you. Hey, I'd love to be the first to put my arms around you and be an extension of the arms of Christ. this morning and you say preacher 
I really have a burden to help lonely people. I really want to have a heart to help my neighbor, my coworker. I really want to encourage someone. That's what I want you to do right where you're standing. I want you to just lift your hands. If you're sincere, I just want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, here I am. Help me to alleviate. Come on, raise them up. Raise them up. Help me to alleviate someone's loneliness. Someone whose church has failed them. Someone whose close friends have let them down. Someone who's been targeted by evil people. Help me. Give me a greater sensitivity. Come on, pray with me. Give me a greater sensitivity to your spirit. They come in and the cosmetics are all in place and the clothes are without wrinkles. And the smile is bright. Lord, let me see beyond the facade and the facade and see the, the gnawing isolation and loneliness in their life and let me have compassion upon them. Somebody pray this prayer. God, give me compassion. Give me spiritual sensitivity and then give me compassion to minister to them. May I be bold. I pray someone, God sends someone across your path this week and the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray for them on the spot because they're hurting so desperately. Our town and our county is filled with hurting people people that are popping pills and people that are living in tents, people that are in illicit relationships, people that are turning to the wrong crowd because they simply want to experience genuine love and compassion. Thank you, Jesus.